0: Doctor, look! Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew.
1: Hey, welcome back to Dr. Homebrew, everybody. We have a great show for you today. We have a Fest beer, first of all. Uh, which is not necessarily a style we get a ton of. And I like these shows. These shows are fun because we get to talk about different flavors other than, oh, there's no hot burn. Cool. (laughs) You know, what one malt did you use for your IPA? You know, it's that kind of stuff. We get to Well,
2: there you go. Also, it's the perfect time of year for a fest beer because, you know, Oktoberfest.
1: Yeah. You know, before we get started, I... You know, I'm going to talk about the chat for a second because uh, I was bitching in the last show about cleaning and William in the chat says, come on, JP, it doesn't take much to clean. Yes, it does. All the even just a little amount it takes to clean. I don't want to do it. I know it doesn't take much. I don't want to do it. I don't like it. I dislike it. You don't want to clean as a hobby. Thank you. Yeah. I don't even want to clean my I even want to clean as a chore. <laughs> you Know what I mean? Stepping over garbage. Uh, you know, I don't want to do it. It's not what I like. It's not what I like to do. I don't know what I like to do, but it's not that, William. There you go, I'm just kidding. All right, thank you to our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. Speaking you guys, of cleaning. You, speaking of cleaning, if you want to clean <laughs> and sanitize, if, well, look, first of all, nobody wants to clean. That's just a fact. I don't think anybody really enjoys it except like, uh, you know, Howard Hughes maybe, but he probably went a little too mm. far with it, if you know what I mean. Without the pee in the jars... If you want to be cleaning at home and you want to do it right, you use five-star chemicals. Go to 5 starchemicals.com today, right now, pull your car over. I don't care if it's on the freeway, pull over, pull up. No, don't really do that. Uh, but look at their website. They have a bunch of tips and tricks and a bunch of different uh, products for you to help you clean and sanitize. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for their free homebrew club program in one of the links in today's show description of the podcast or over there on YouTube to receive free product, exclusive discounts. Monthly educational seminars and free swag. Everybody likes to get free shit.
3: You want to hear, yeah, a, right. uh, you want to hear a quick Howard Hughes story? Um, define quick. My grandfather told a lot of crazy stories. Yeah. The one story, I believe, he managed a mine in Nevada, like in the 30s or 40s. And uh, he said, this is, this is why I believe him. He said he was pretty much the only guy there. He was working real late. It's like midnight-ish, and this guy rolls up. And he's like, who's this guy come up to the mine? And it was Howard Hughes who owned the mine. And he, asked my, he had my grandfather take him around for like three hours and asked him like an infinite number of questions, and then he was satisfied and left. And that's not a tall tale type of story. That's like a thing that happens when your boss is really weird. Yeah. So I actually believe that my grandfather had like a three-hour conversation with Howard Hughes about his mine wow. in like 1938. That's wild. Wow.
1: That is wild.
3: David, do you have a Howard Hughes story? No, I don't.
1: Oh, it's too bad. You're fired. Get out of here. <laughs> no. Dave, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, you brewed a fest beer. Is this something that you have done before?
4: Uh, not a fest beer. I've done an October fest before.
1: But... You know, not an October fest before. How long have you been homebrewing, man?
4: Uh, nine years.
1: Nine years. Okay. All right. That's not bad. I don't know that I've actually even tackled either style, they seem kind of complicated. <laughs> Was it a little daunting for you or you just, you wanted to do it or are you just trying to like brew the styles or you got bored one day or why, why Fest beer?
4: I uh, didn't do either October Fest or Fest beer last year and just wanted to do it this year.
1: Okay. You know. Yeah. Basically just I because I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Sometimes that's just, that's, you know, that's a fine answer, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenging beer to, uh, to brew. You yeah. Know, there's not, it's a lager and you got to do that right. There's not a lot to, to hide behind us, no. you know, mostly kind
1: of munichy characters and maybe that's why i haven't done it i I need shit to hide behind that's why i like porters and stuff i like to hide uh (laughs) cooper since you got a break from uh the last show because we judged your beer why don't you go ahead and start on uh david's fest beer here you're gonna make me work yeah man man. sorry
2: dude all right okay well so the bottle has a pretty good fill It's it's a little bit on the low side but that's okay uh when I opened the first one, I had a really nice um uh, hiss. Let's see, I'll get it on mic this time. Was, no. Oh uh, sorry, that's that was a letdown. But uh well, I had my headphones on, so I couldn't hear if it really hissed that much.
1: It did not. It it was officially a letdown.
3: Now I'm yes. pouring it into my glass. Can you hear that? I chalked that up to audio because I don't hear that either. <laughs> I think your you think like, your windscreen is so effective it, it yeah. managed to muffle the hiss. You yeah. bobbled the hiss with your windscreen. Okay.
2: Uh yeah, so in the nose, it's uh it's got a clean and lightly toasty aroma, a front, medium-low herbal hop, slightly biscuity and bready. No obvious uh fermentation-derived esters, uh, no DMS or diacetyl. Uh it was slightly grainy to me as it warmed, I felt. Um but, you know, pretty close for aroma. I gave it a nine out of twelve there. Um, color-wise, appearance-wise, wait, this one seems yeah, the the head just fell completely flat on this sample. If I had to adjust on the fly, like like Char sometimes does, I might <laughs> have to bump it down one just because the the head lasts a little longer on the other bottle I had uh, last yeah, night.
1: Mine kind of jumps off too, kind of just um, it's there and then it goes. But the
2: color is really nice. It's got this rich, orangey, light gold color, uh, medium white head of fine bubbles uh, that recedes on the sample I had last night to a more wispy cover and a collar uh, after a moderate time. So it, it stuck around. Okay. Last night. And uh, the beer is, is clear. It's a very, actually very clear. You can see right through it. No problem. Um, kind of orangey highlights there. Flavor wise. Uh, it's got kind of an overtly bready doughy malt flavor with a medium low sweetness. It uh, seems cleanly lagered, which is nice. Uh, it doesn't dry out quite as much as hoped, or else there's something that's giving me a little impression of, um, you know, lingering uh, kind of a sweet bread-like impression um, that kind of stays long into the aftertaste There's something grainy lingering in the aftertaste with that. And uh, the bitterness is low. Um, you know, the I think I might have a little bit of DMS here, which is, uh, you know, not to, it, it's, it's, you know, not, not detracting too much there or anything like that. Um, uh, but it's just not as much of the toasty flavors that, I, you know, I got some toast in the aroma, the toasty flavors aren't coming through as much or else they're kind of obscured a little bit. Though finish wise. It's not like a sweet beer. It does finish semi dry. It seems to be kind of where it should be there and I'm not getting, um, any obvious flaws other uh, maybe just a little bit of that edge of uh, some DMS. Uh, mouthfeel-wise, uh, 14 out of 20 for flavor. And I'd given it three out of three for appearance. I would give this one two, but I don't need to be cruel. Um, <laughs> sure you do. You're a judge. Yeah. That's what you do. That's what <laughs> beer judges do. Mouthfeel-wise, it's uh, medium-bodied with no warmth. The beer is fairly smooth. Um, it just wasn't quite as uh, crisp and quenching as as hoped. Um, these beers, I mean, they're, they're served in the Leder, the Stein in, in Germany, you know, for Oktoberfest, and they should be really crisp and quenching and, and smoothly drinkable. Um, and this one's not biting or harsh or anything like that. And it's, it is somewhat creamy. There's no obvious astringency or anything going on in here. It's just not quite as crisp as I would like. Um, do you think that's a
1: carbonation factor or do you I, think it's a recipe thing?
2: I'm starting to think that it might be carbonation factor. Um, it has, you know, on the one I noted last night, it has the impression of like kind of a medium low carbonation. I think maybe the, the hiss that I heard either was louder for some reason or I just, you know, but it it did. I think the sample I had last night was probably even more carbonated than this. This one's a little a little bit flatter. Sometimes it, sometimes it is hard to get, uh, the perfect amount of carbonation in a bottle. But this should be a pretty effervescent beer, uh, at least medium to, you know towards medium-high carbonation, perhaps. Um, Seems like, overall, a cleanly brewed fast beer, which, you know, with a lot of good, um, genuine ingredients and, uh, you know, pretty good brewing process to get it uh, right in that territory. Um, Maybe just needs a bit more attenuation, maybe a little more carbonation to, you know, A, kind of soften that malt sweetness, and B, kind of drive a little bit more uh, thirst-quenching quality to the beer um have it dry off the tongue a little more crisply and refreshingly um you know obviously as as you do with any good german lager you use a massive starter and classic lagering techniques i'm sure you know what you're doing after nine years on that front <laughs> but um yeah it's a it's a good beer i, I really i enjoyed it um it's actually bit, i would put it in very good territory um with the the one point deduction for the head i landed at a 35 i, I gave it a 36 last night but i'll go 35 um Right. Yes, it's nowhere near sweet or cloying. I didn't want to give that impression, but there's something, maybe just with the carbonation lacking a little bit, it's giving that um, impression of some sweetness from the malt that's that's staying a little longer than I'd like into the finish and the the
1: late palate. Yeah, um, I and, would agree with that. I mean, it doesn't taste, it doesn't taste like a fermentation byproduct. It j- definitely tastes more like um like flat cold beer yeah yeah as
2: i keep tasting it, it is it is plenty toasty like toasty yeah. malt flavors but which i like alongside that you have that yeah. prickly carbonation driving them a little harder so yeah that's that's my take on it okay um very good yeah 35 36 point beer all right sure. uh let's yes do let's do it so uh, why don't you be nicer uh, David, than cooper
3: uh i've i'm i'm not the guy that's your 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 niceness cleanup batter on the show probably <laughs> maybe i am i don't know that could be my role Hey, we're sure not playing we're good are, cop, man. bad cop here. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, David, I have to ask, because talking about my role on the show. Are you in a homebrew club? No, I'm not. So you're just making good beer by yourself, and that's, that's a good thing? Lone Wolf in it. Lone well, Wolf ba- in it.
2: Based on your T-shirt, you know, the Imperial Beer Project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Vito, uh, yeah, sadly had to close the doors. We were there on the last night they were open. Oh, really? I, was I did not know my, that. My first time That's there was the last night they were open and Vito couldn't attend because uh, yeah, I think someone in his family nice. had, had COVID. That, yeah, he, they were had some really good beers. Anyway,
3: That's that could bad. be a club. That could be a club. Sure. Imperial, the Imperial, the club. Imperial beer, beer Project fans. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I like this beer. Thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, aroma, I got a uh, medium toasty malt aroma. I uh, thought it was pleasant and inviting. Uh, classic German bread crust aroma, kind of that the uh, like a fresh baked, you know, something you bake at home, like an artisan bread. Uh, low herbal hop aroma, no obvious off aromas for eight out of twelve. Uh, appearance two out of three, uh, deep golden color. The head in my sample was small and not persistent, and I may chalk that up to my glassware rather than your beer. I mean, I've simply, you know. I, I hand wash stuff and I do my best, but things don't always work out the way you want them to with hand washing. So that might be that easily could be on problem on my end. Uh crystal clear, again, two out of three uh flavor. Um initially the flavor to me was was malty. I got some I got a little bit of that doughy kind of bread dough that uh that Cooper picked up, but I also got like a little bit of honey caramel sweetness, which to me that's not something that ideally should be in a fest beer. Um, and I was wondering, you know, one of the things we'll talk about is when you brewed this, I wonder if that might be just a little, little bit of oxidation. Because sometimes in a, a good beer like this, oxidation doesn't come across as paper or cardboard. It comes across a little more honey or caramel. Uh, I still did get the bread, bread crust character in the aroma or in the flavor. Uh, Bitterness uh, balances in mid-palate. It's well attenuated. Uh, When I first poured this and it was colder, the finish arrived pretty quick. Uh, And as it warmed up, the finish is definitely longer and malty and pleasant, Uh, but it does still have some of that, little bit of that hint of that honey and caramel. Uh, So I gave that 14 out of 20 for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel, four out of five. Medium body, uh, carbonation is medium low. and uh, to echo what Cooper had said, I think a little bit more carbonation uh, would really have helped this beer. Uh, very slight warming, more creamy than astringent, four out of five. Uh, overall impression, uh, seven for a total of 35, which is very good. And uh, I was kind of my, my thinking about this beer. It might be that this hint of what I perceived as oxidation was really just maybe a little bit of low carbonation that let the malt just sit on your tongue a little bit too long to give that impression that maybe wouldn't have been there if it had been a little bit more carbonated. Uh, There's no apparent uh, off flavors other than that, maybe a little bit of oxidation. Uh, I think it's a good beer, uh, and I really uh, appreciate your sharing.
1: Very good. Yeah, Uh, I would just echo echo all that. I don't want to dogpile on you about carbonation, but... Mm. But get it together. Carbonation's Keg. hard. Okay. Carbonation's really difficult. Oh yeah, to it do. sucks, dude. I hate it. I hate it. It's a terrible. It's a terrible thing. Even kegging. I'm like, I don't want to, Maybe that's part of my problem too. I'll chalk up the cleaning. Mm. Uh, anyway, David, what's up, man? Let's go. Recipe. Want to give us your recipe first?
4: All right. It was a ten gallon batch I did, or twelve gallon batch. Uh, it was eight pounds of Munich, six pounds of Vienna, and ten pounds of Pilsner. All Wiremen. I think it was just too much Munich, I think. And then two ounces of electronic middle fruit for 60 minutes and a quarter ounce of Magnum and an ounce of middle fruit at uh, 10 minutes. Oktoberfest lager blend from uh Y Yeast. Did a two say starter and then I like to let it sit overnight, pitch it at 45, I'll drop the cold break, and then put some in this flask and stir that back up and then pitch that. And then it started out at 1054
3: and went down to 1010. Nice and dry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's good attenuation. Yeah. What do you think about his yeah. recipe? Is
1: it too much Munich like he said?
3: Maybe a little heavy on the Munich, but
2: uh I like that the recipe is fairly simple, just the three Very. malts and uh the one yeast and the yeah, the, you know, yeah. Um, you know, a little bit of neutral hop in the the bittering and a little bit of, you know, uh, the hops are not too heavy by any stretch of the imagination. They're they're right where they need to be. Um that part was good. Yeah, I think it's probably mainly just a uh uh bottle carbonation and what's your bottling technique? A beer gun or a Yeah,
4: it's a beer gun. gun. First yeah. time using it actually. I oh wow, I haven't okay. Bottled, I haven't bottled yeah. anything in, in eight years.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what that's probably what happened. You just turned need yeah, to the, find The beer gun's a great product, but it's tricky. And it it's not it's not foolproof.
4: Yeah. am yeah, like a fan of the line that comes with I probably
3: got to replace the line. Yeah. Let's do a beer gun 101. I mean, we,
1: you know, we could honestly, but
3: uh yeah, I don't know. Okay. We could do an episode called your your carbonation sucks and pretty much it would apply to everyone in the audience, including all of us. Yeah, basically.
1: Uh, yeah. Um well, what do we think? I mean, recipe's fine. We're okay with it. We just <clears throat> more carbonation next time and see what's up how does this taste off the keg david does it taste uh different than in the bottle or what
4: um i tried a bottle of it last week the carbonation was a lot better last week what okay. you guys just had right now so yeah maybe it just sat and lost a little bit more i don't know maybe it's sealed bad. i don't know yeah well the, yeah, the, first, the keg, the yeah. keg it taste tastes about the same what i had a week ago
2: okay okay yeah okay No, it's a really, seems like a really good recipe and a good, good technique. And you're, you're starting really, really cold there. That's um, what you like to do with your loggers. That's, that's cool. I mean, you can, you know, and do you, do you ramp it up a little, you know, as you go along slowly or do you just go up and do a a diastole rest at the end?
4: No, after 24 hours, I'll let it get up to like 48 and then like a day later, I'll go to 50. And then after like a week, I'll go up to like 52, maybe.
2: Cool. Yeah. You got great attenuation. It is, like I said, it, it, it did have that, that, you know, fairly dry finish. It, it's not, not, you know, cloy, but it's just the, there's the impression of sweetness, like maybe from the, the fruitiness from that Munich malt and the combined with the slightly low carbonation, letting that shine a little bit in the, in these bottled batches, but I'd love to taste it out the keg there. And, um, you know, the, the sample I had last night was a little better than this. This one, uh, but just just minorly, the the head fell really flat. I don't know what's.
1: Yeah. But I think you can get bottle variants when you're hand bottling like that. You know, even on a yeah, beer yeah. gun, even on you know just the, the the thumb faucet with the tube down it. Like, just I think it just happens. You know? Yeah. Yep. So, that's Which, that's part of it.
2: What you want to do if you're entering for a competition is to uh, increase the carbonation in your your keg, uh, you know, ever so slightly you know, a fraction of a the volume of you know CO two to you know to get it to that point where it's when it comes out of that bottle it's gonna be at that you know perfect
1: level for for the judges so uh but, David yeah. do you have any questions for the guys based on their feedback?
4: No, I'm pretty
1: good. Okay. Uh guys, do you have anything else for David? Or are we kicking them um, off? Question about water. Um
4: did you go for a certain profile there? Um whatever Beersmith had told me for the yeah. Well, I used like the Beersmith app and then the Bavaria <laughs> and then whatever. Uh, I think it was a Palmer. I think I looked at Palmer's recommendation.
2: Yeah. So There's kind of a moderate sulfate, uh, you know, pretty, pretty. Uh,
0: you know,
4: well, Burnwood water sucks. So I got the, <laughs> I got the water filter system, like the whole house. And then I go through another carbon block and then add a little bit of calcium chloride and gypsum and then just lactic acid in the mash.
2: I don't think it's too minerally at all. It's uh, the, the water no. balance seems right. Yeah.
1: I think it's, I think it sounds good. right to me. Yeah. Are you going to make any changes, David? Do you think? Or yeah,
4: drop the Munich down, I think, next time. A little
1: bit. Yeah. All right. I'm working that carbonation. Do you
4: guys think it stays, I don't know. What do
1: you yeah.
2: Think? Now, if you do enter think, in a competition, just I think you could uh, drop it a little bit.
3: Yeah. If I, you drop it a little bit, don't do something crazy by dropping it like four pounds. Drop it maybe a pound. Oh, okay. How many pounds did you have in there? Uh, it was
4: eight
3: pounds. Okay. But Munich. I, I liked the flavor that it brought. Yeah. And to me, the, the, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm just, my taster could be off and if I, I could be an outlier here. When I got that hint of caramel, is that it wasn't to me like Munich. It wasn't a malt character. It was like a little bit of an oxidation character. And that can come from, you know, some of your, your hand bottling off a keg or something. You can get oxidation or weird stuff like mm-hmm. that can happen. But, I, I think if you're yeah. going to drop the Munich, I wouldn't do anything crazy. I'd drop it a little bit and see what you, see what you think. Yeah. And then if you don't Agreed. like it, then drop it some more next time. Yeah.
2: yeah replace the Palm with the, uh, the Vienna and see where that yeah. goes. That could be real nice. Yeah, that's a great idea, Brian. Yeah.
1: I think you're 80-85% there. Yeah. Yeah, good Sounds stuff. Good. All right, David. Well, we'll let you go, man. All
4: right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, thanks dude. For thanks, yeah.
1: man. Later. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Everybody will be right back here on Dr. Homebrew. Stay tuned. What's up, homebrewers? Hey, let me ask you a question. You spend a lot of time making your beer taste the way you want it to, right? Some of you even send beers into Dr. Homebrew for feedback. Well, the next logical step in your creativity is to craft some labels for those beers. And there's nobody better at creative labels than Grog Tag. Their easy-to-use designs let you turn out some pretty amazing stuff like labels, bottle caps, coasters, even six-pack carriers with minimal effort on your part. They have a range of label sizes that fit any vessel you can think of. Bottles, cans, growlers, kegs. GrogTag has you covered. Head over to GrogTag.com today and check out their line of amazing, fully customizable templates and get your beer looking its best. GrogTags are water-resistant, reusable, and will have your naked bottles looking great in no time. That's GrogTag.com, and be sure to use code BNARMY at checkout to save 10% on your order.
0: Hello fellow BNers, this is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a backhouse in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing, and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff! Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did, and thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. Doctor Homebrew, please report to the ER for code blue. Doctor
1: Homebrew to the ER, please. No, and your tea time has been moved to two thirty. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We are going to talk to Brian Shar a little bit about judging at the B, not BJCP, at the GABF. Brian Shar, yes. you went out to Denver or Denver adjacent for the Great American Lewisville. Beer Festival judging. Is, so Louisville, is that where NHC was the first time it was in sort of Denver adjacent where everyone's like, oh, we're going to go to Denver and you had to take the fucking tram 20 minutes out to, to do anything. And we just had a hotel.
3: I didn't. I didn't go to that NHC, oh, okay. so I couldn't tell you that. That pissed me I, off. It was funny. I was, uh, you know, when I got my invitation to go out there, I just assumed it was Louisville, and I got corrected by some locals right away that it was Louisville. Oh yeah, which is good because it keeps it from being even more confusing than it could be. How can yeah, JP know, be man. annoyed by things that he didn't even do? That's uh, I no, I
1: I, I went. <laughs> Have to, you met JP? I went to the um, the NHC that I was talking about. And I remember hearing that it was in Denver because I was back when, and I don't know if they still do this, but that was back when um, the NHC was like marketing as the next big town over, you know, where it's like, Oh, like Denver. Well, I was told we were going to Denver, sir. Nope, you, you're going 20 minutes away from Denver. Well, the the bird oh, association shit. is
3: based in Boulder, so no, I understand. Yeah, and and Denver's got like you know 30 suburbs, so it could be could have been could have been Longmont. It could have been you yeah, know right. any number of L. There's like three different L suburbs.
1: Yeah, that was weird. It was just weird. I, it it bummed me out. I was like, oh shit, okay, because you had to go, you had to get on the train, you had to walk first of all, you had to walk a quarter mile to the tram station. And get on oh, the no, train not walking and then go all the way into town <laughs> and then you had to catch it to make sure it just it, just, it, it was it sucked. I, I like it better when it's in Denver proper, you know, but whatever I understand. Yeah, look, yeah. that was 10 years ago. Who cares mm. or longer? Probably longer. God, yeah. I've been doing this a long time. Um, mm. All right, Char. So you went to Longmont, Louisville.
3: Louisville. Okay. Yeah, and I, you know, the details. Obviously, I can't talk a lot about uh, some aspects of the details, but I was excited. Why not? This the first time I've. <laughs> why can't you? I can't? Yeah, you know, do I really can't tell you what panels I was on or what my. Oh, you can't uh, really. I can't. No. Why not?
1: Is it how ha- have has it been announced? I'm interrupting you, and I don't care. Has no. it has it been announced? I mean, is that no, why? No, it hasn't. No, ah, it hasn't. So, okay. When is GABF?
3: uh in about co- in a couple of weeks i believe it's like i think it's oh. like october 5th and 6th they do it they do it that
1: far in advance there's three
3: sessions yeah, there's, right there's, oh there's wow you know, five thousand six thousand entries i mean it's like homebrew con i guess I there's just, a lot of beers to judge i guess i just three.
1: assumed that it was all that like week because every time you go out at the end of the GABF sessions you run into the judges that are just fucking hammered or tired mm. or both uh, <laughs> so I just assumed that they were just re- putting you guys through the ringer, but I—I I, I mean, that makes sense. They bring out they bring out a you know chunks at a time.
3: Yeah, you know it's and but what I can talk about and what I think is kind of interesting, maybe for the our listeners, is some of the differences between like homebrew judging and GABF yes. judging. Yes, and you know GABF they'll there's three flights in the morning and three flights in the afternoon, and each flight is about ten beers, so you're judging about sixty beers a day. And when you start at 830 and you're done at about three, you know, you don't you don't really get drunk. You don't really you get a little tipsy. But when you drink all day at that level, by the time three, four o'clock rolls around, maybe it's because I'm getting older. I was just wiped out like pretty much every day. Yeah. And I remember one day, uh, like the second day, I went back to the hotel and I had a nap for like an hour. And I got up and I'm like, God, it's like five o'clock. I should eat something. Uh, And there's a place uh, like a a tap house that was about a 10 minute walk from the hotel. It's it's close. I'll just go over there. I won't bother Ubering. Uh, I'll just go there and I'll have some food and I'll have a beer. And it was a fantastic beer. And it was a struggle to finish that. (laughs) (laughs) Really at the end, after an end of a day like that. That's just not, not what you want.
1: I tell you, man, whenever I go out and you know, or, you know, do NHC or do these beer like uh, vacation things or these beer event things or whatever, when I go out, the last thing I want to drink is a beer. And I'm not you know, judging 60 different beers. Yeah. So you go and like towards the end of the night, you start switching to cocktails, start switching to the gin and tonic.
3: Yeah, yeah maybe I, I, should, have, I should have done that that night. That would yeah. have been a lot better. Yeah, that's what they, we did after... NHC too You got you know, the, to man yeah, You
1: got like, to Because beer So only, much judging It takes you so far It Go only gets get you so people. far And you yeah. don't want to be One of these people Where you feel like You have to drink a beer Because you're a beer guy Yeah And you have to be seen yeah. Drinking the latest craft beer When you're judging dr- mm. Or whatever It's like Dude I don't even <laughs> care Matter. You know, yeah.
3: Thankfully, I don't really give a shit about what people think about being in that regard. Yeah, well, you right, right. But, you <laughs> know, the royal like, you. But right? yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, in terms of judging process, one of the things I thought was really interesting. So, you know, in a homebrew competition, you might have, let's say, however many beers in a flight. And the steward brings out to everybody one beer mm-hmm. and you you taste it. You know, you you smell it. You write down your score sheet. And you have a discussion about that beer, you're done with that sample, you move on to the next one and it's very that's that protocol is kind of burned into our brains for uh for GABF, it's a little more like mini besta show. They bring you out however many mm. beers are in the flight all at once. Well, usually the, the stewards can't carry that many. You might get four at a time, <laughs> and your flights might be anywhere from six to twelve, depending how big the category is so you essentially you you write down your score sheet and it's a little more like a homebrew con you know any na- national homebrew comp sort of score sheet there's places to write but there's also more things to like check this box so there's not quite as much writing involved as in like a bjcp comp uh and then after you write your score sheets for all the beers that are in that flight uh then typically what'll happen is that it's, it's kind of like best to show and you'll have the judges on your panel And it's going to be two or three judges. And you'll go through, like in Best of Show, say, all right, what was your, what ones did you not like? Or which one did you not like? And Each person can kind of kick one out until you get to maybe like five or six that are left. So it's a little bit different than, in, in a way, it's more efficient because you don't have to talk about every beer and come within seven points of every beer. And, You know it has to be more efficient because there's just so damn many beers to judge
1: so when and, you say that everyone can kick one beer out, what happens if I kick out a beer that you love do you do then, you get a chance to be like, "Hold on, we got to talk about this
3: no typ- typically it's like a best of show or a mini best of show where if let's say two people didn't like it very much, but you really liked it, yeah, a lot of times it'll stick around and you you' going ask for you you know and people will be like, you know let's just keep this in for the time being." And then you move on to the next person to kick one out. And you don't have to take that approach, but it's the approach at the the tables that I sat on. Okay. Um, and like so the advantage is that you don't have to talk in detail about each beer. Right. Or the, the question about a beer, this
2: is sounding very similar to what I had to do at NHC, yeah. uh, is, okay, was this a beer that you would fight for? Was it your top, one of your top three? Because if not, out of these nine to 12 beers, it's not going anywhere anyhow. So right. let's just let it go now. You know, some right. one person or two people really disliked it for one reason or another.
3: Now, that, that's right. And if you're an experienced judge, unless you really think the other judges are wrong, uh, and when you're judging with people that are really experienced and really familiar with beer and they're professional brewers and they're brewery owners, they know what they're doing, you know, you've got to really... I mean, if you really want to stand by a beer and fight for it, that's great, and you should if you really think that should happen. If you're not going to fight for something that might be in fourth place, you know what I mean? Just like you said, right.
2: don't die it, on it, the hill for that. You know, yeah. you're not
3: going to die on a hill for something that nobody else thinks is that great, and that you think might be in third or fourth place.
1: Okay, interesting,
3: so, uh And then metal metal rounds are kind of similar. So you'll go through these this this first first round stuff. I don't think it's telling anything that I shouldn't and I don't think it should surprise anyone that there are a fuck ton of IPAs in that competition, <laughs> West Coast, hazy, hazy, you know, whatever. And like there were uh, the first two days, everyone had in the morning an IPA flight and everyone had in the afternoon an IPA flight because wow. there's hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of IPAs.
1: So it's not so you don't get to sign up for... A specific category and then that's it it's just sort of you, you know, show they, they up do
3: in in the uh, when you register they provide a web page and this they manage to make this thing for as many beers as, as are involved and as many volunteers and everything else it runs really smoothly and one of the things on the web page when you register you can for each category i mean every single category in the in the uh, the brewers association guidelines which by the way are different from the bjcp guidelines there's styles that aren't in the BJCP. There's not as much description. There's a thing called strong pale ale, and I was like, "Hang, hang on here, you guys." There's strong pale ale, that. come. F- it's
1: there's like a what, lot what more styles. That's called
3: IPA. Right. And yeah, there's more styles. And it, it,
1: are, are there more styles because more styles means more categories, and more categories means more sponsors, and more sponsors means more money? Or is it Maybe. is it legitimately? trying to like squeeze out in a positive way define the world around us in, in in craft beer and if there's a new emerging style well we should we should acknowledge that
3: i i believe more the second category than the first okay and if if you you can pull these these guidelines or if they're not secret but you can look them up online they're yeah they're e- they're readily available and they generally track the bjcp but then there's things like you i i always i wondered like where is this strong pale ale coming from? There's a couple that are just kind of weird. Um, and like spice herb vegetable is broken up. I mean, there's a thing called field beer, which essentially yeah. is beer made with like savory ingredients that like you grow in a field, hence it's called field beer. Okay, uh, And spice is different. And, you know, spice herb is kind of a different thing. Going back
1: to the, the strong pale, because that makes me angry very much. Um, <laughs> I, in, you, you're, you're angry, JP? I'm angry. Um, it's it's a kind of anger Zoloft can't even suppress. Mm. No, it's, it's that's some it's, anger. It's um, it, it sort of makes a lot of sense now when I would see a pale ale at six point one or six point five. Mm-hmm. I've seen a pale ale at six point five percent on a beer board, and it's like right. that fucking makes me angry. It should not be that high, but if it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is the same old thing. On the beer board, if 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 the brewers are brewing styles like strong pale ale, then they mm-hmm. should market it as a strong pale ale, and the beer board people at the bar should put it on so as such. Don't yeah. call it a pale ale, but it's really a strong pale ale. Like e- either style right. guidelines mean something or they don't.
2: Yeah, well, no, I, you know, I I agree. We're more familiar with the BJCP guidelines. There is a wide variety of uh, concoctions that people out there in the in the craft brewing world are brewing and you know there's there's style creep that has happened from you know some of the existing styles that that start out early in the craft beer movement where pale ales have gone towards a little stronger and if you differentiate between a classic strength pale ale and a strong pale ale you can give those beers that people brew to 6.1 or whatever a place to go where it's like a look maybe a lower bitterness than an ipa but a pale ale bitterness beer with a slightly stronger strength to be judged as such. I don't
3: know. I'm just yeah. playing the devil's advocate here. Don't get angry at yeah, right. me. No, no, but it's not interesting. Not. We'll it's interesting in to you. me how the, the guidelines are very similar to the BJCP, but there are, there are some, some interesting differences. So then you have the, uh, like the first round for uh, every style when you write your score sheets. Uh, and then I was lucky to to be on, well, not like every, everyone's on some metal rounds. So the medal round is like the the final round. So you usually you'll have like, you know, eight to 12 uh, beers and it literally is a best of show round. There's no score sheets uh, you go through and ideally these are the, the best of the best and you shouldn't be able to necessarily easily kick some out. But just as in a best of show round for homebrew, there's always uh, two or three that you can quickly kick out. And then you have that discussion among the ones that are left about which one is really the more platonic ideal of the style and the best executed uh compared to the others and what's kind of funny is they they take to the table there's the there's an envelope and there's the uh uh the thing to write your numbers down on and the envelope has like the sticker on it and you're not going to close that but when you take the when the steward takes that number back to the the seller and they put the actual beer name on there that gets closed up and kind of like miss america or whatever you know the, uh, the Academy Awards. Price that, Waterhouse uh, Coopers has automated exactly. this
2: result, and
3: that that goes into the uh, into the vault. And then on the day yeah. that they announce that, they break the seal and read off who won. So I'm kind of curious Same. for the categories. I did metal metal rounds for whose beers those were. That'll be kind of fun to see. So you did metal round. So those are those categories are done. Yes. Interesting.
1: So why yeah. I wonder why you can't say anything
0: about it?
3: They you know it's it's just general OPSEC, you know they they right. don't want to keep they want to keep sure they they want to make sure that people don't say or do dumb things like you're supposed to have your phone off all day aside from lunch not uh, and not have they, they don't want you taking pictures yeah. they don't want people to and and I, and I get it because like if it's IPA or something who's going to tell which one is different but if you're doing like a a category where you have to declare specialty ingredients then you can tell probably you can tell what beer that is if no. you went and looked for it no there's no way i i would i would know no. yeah i mean care. if it's really specific uh, you know so there's
1: certain i mean if you that... have yeah like a bright pink beer okay yeah. maybe. but
3: you know i i appreciate that they're trying to maintain uh, maintain their security and maintain the suspense and not have a bunch of idiots go yap on social media about, yeah, I mean, it's something it's, they saw or heard. It's not, and that's a what, what, I, what I'm saying is nothing. That's, I don't think I've said anything that, that the, uh, The BA would be upset about. No, I don't think so
1: either. I mean, we're you know we we love talking about
3: process. Yeah, no, the BA is great. I I get that they don't want people to inadvertently you know compromise the process, even by accident. You know, sure.
1: And again, I'm not saying any. I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong or it's stupid laws or stupid rules. Or I'm just I'm genuinely curious about why. Um, there's,
3: but there's I guess a lot of does, money
2: in craft beer. Well, this is commercial craft beer, not
3: homebrew, yeah. right? You right. know, sometimes, right. and, and to make an analogy, there's probably a bad analogy. Like you'll see uh, sometimes on online where. Some Russian dude is invading Ukraine. He's taking a picture of something. It'll never happen by the building, by the he's by a building or something. And boom, he's violated OPSEC because you can geolocate that building with the shadows and the building and whatever. And boom, suddenly your selfie gets you killed by Ukrainian artillery. You know, yeah, that's and a you don't weird, think that can happen? No, that's it's not can a happen. very good analogy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you, if you <laughs> tell me, like,
1: yeah, I had to judge strong pale ales and it, we, there were a lot of good beers, like, I don't feel like those are And different. Russian
3: artillery dialed right in on us and yeah. killed us right afterwards. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah the, the BA just called in a strike on Shar's <laughs> home and yeah, conquered. Yeah, the right. are coming. Ken Grossman decided to, you know, I don't hmm. know, whatever. It, but it's fine. So uh, it sounds like you had a good time.
3: Yeah, it's funny. You meet a lot of interesting people. And what do you like you know, doing? So you run into people that you've known before. And like yeah. Pete Slasberg, everyone in the beer community knows Pete. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's there. And uh, I mean, it's it, you, you if you've been around the community for a long time, you run into a lot of people you already know and you get to meet some cool new people. And you know, it, it's fun. It's a good time. What do you like judging? What judging
1: experience as far as the actual judging, not you know going there and the attending and whatever? But the actual judging process, which do you prefer the homebrew version or the GBF version?
3: I don't know that I have a preference. They're just different.
1: I hate that answer. That's a lawyer.
3: answer. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you, You I'll I'll tell you a funny story that again, won't they, they won't mind. So uh, it's in, we judged in the brewers association warehouse, which you don't under, and I'm like, why does the BA have a warehouse? So then you realize, Oh, you're putting on big events every year like GABF <laughs> right. and World Cup of Beer and Homebrew Con. All that stuff has to go somewhere. Yeah. All the all the all the TVs, all the curtains, all the all the miscellaneous whatever, and they you need a lot of stuff instead of yeah. renting it every year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You you need a lot of stuff to put on a big event. and That's got to go somewhere. Yeah. So we're in this warehouse in Louisville and that's it's funny there's you've probably seen that meme of like what my friends think when I tell them I'm judging beer versus what I'm actually doing. Yeah. And they think you're like, Hey, you're having Oktoberfest and You're having five <laughs> steins. And yeah, you're writing a bunch of stuff. We're, we're sitting in a warehouse in Louisville writing uh, about beer. So it's a warehouse and there's this bird that's overhead and it's trying to get out a window and there's pipes overhead. And it sits over one of the, one of my, my judges on, on the, I'm judging with on this one flight and we look up and it's kind of right over him. And he's like, God, there's a crap in my beer. And it sits there for a long time. And we're thinking, probably it's sleeping or whatever. Pooped right on his shoulder.
2: <laughs> oh,
3: man. No. Oh. I would have right to, we, over shifted to the... The, we shifted the tables after that. But yeah, you got, you got poop on his shoulder.
1: I would have gone right, uh-huh. just walked through the warehouse looking for the t shirts. I would have scored it. At <laughs> yeah. yeah. At
3: least it didn't yeah, go on right the here. beer. That's, that's, that's good. Yeah. It's and I was yeah. made sure. I made that Shit was the first day, it. and I made sure on day two and day three that I sat at locations where birds could not poop on me. I do not like to be <laughs> shat upon.
1: Yeah, not unless you're paying. You know what I mean?
3: Not uh, even then. No, I, I
2: I will agree with the 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 sentiment that at NHC and at HomebrewCon it was a very fatiguing experience to um, judge such long sessions. And it sounds like at GA, if it's even longer, we would usually have two to three sessions in the morning and two to three sessions in the afternoon. And yeah, maybe 10, you know, eight to 10 beers each, sometimes 12, but um, it was a lot of beer to get through. And it, it really interfered with once talks started going on and stuff. And they didn't repeat the talks this year. Yeah, and I'm not complaining. I, I signed up to judge. And I, no,
3: it's part of the experience. I did my best. That's what you want to choose. Yeah. Well, and you can and download to, the
1: talks later. They, they make them got, available.
2: Yeah. Right. I got to judge some fantastic, you know, best, you know, metal rounds, which was really fun and really hard to do because the beer quality at that level is so intensely high. You just, it's like cutting fine hairs. It's like, this yeah. one's just slightly this. Sorry. Yeah. That's a fantastic beer. And yeah, that's to let that's it go. what's really
3: tough when it's you get to a medal round, just like it's the best of show for homebrew. Uh, and you get to those last there's like you can only award, you know, gold, silver, bronze, and there's five or six beers out there and like <clears> wow, <throat> how do we slice this? Well, these are all fantastic. How do we pick which ones are are better than the others?
1: Hang on, everybody, it's Doctor Homebrew. We'll be right back. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now, Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K O M O S Draft.com.
0: Now, back
3: to the examination. And I'll tell you one thing that's also kind of interesting about judging commercial beers opposed to homebrew. Yeah. You know, one of the, uh, well, uh, the style doesn't matter, but I had one flight where probably five or six of the beers tasted almost identical. And in homebrew, you're not going to get that because people Mm. are trying to come up with new stuff. They're creative, or they're brewing with what they got in their garage. Yeah. Or they're just doing whatever. You're not going to have, it's rare to have two homebrews in a flight taste the same. And then you realize for commercial beer, whatever the style, the market wants what it wants. And if the market wants X, you're going to have a whole lot of brewers trying to brew X. So you're going to have a lot of entries in a lot of styles that are very similar to each other. That is a good because they're trying to kind of dial in. And thankfully, none of those. uh, But the category that happened in there were like a couple, there were some standouts and there were some that weren't, and we didn't have to get into splitting hairs on the six beers that were identical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a thing that I've, I had never run across before in competition. And I thought about that for a while afterwards and realized that that's why because that's, that's yeah, one of the commercial sense. differentiators.
1: Yeah. The choke is probably a lot tighter on that because you yeah. gotta, you, you gotta be closer to hitting that target. And that's, that's sort of the hard part is when yeah. you're not a brewer, when you're, when you're just a home brewer or, or fantasizing about being a brewer, you're thinking you're going to do all these different styles of beers and you're going to reinvent category and you're going to do all this shit. But then when you become a brewer and, and if you're you know, lucky enough to own your brewery, mm-hmm. even more pressure to make money and you have to brew the yeah. styles that people are buying and you have to focus your attention and focus your craft and hone it mm-hmm. to, to, to appeal to the palates of people who are coming in to pay for it. Not to just yours. because
3: you're a brewer doesn't mean you don't like to sleep indoors or eat, right? <laughs> so, but and, and I guess that would make uh, that would make
1: competitions a little bit harder even too because you yeah. d- you are sharing similar you know palettes even more so um, across a- ac- across the judging. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you and we'll wrap it up here in a second. Do you think that homebrewed ju- because people in people hmm, I guess what am I trying to say? Less people I would imagine in inter- craft brew um, competitions like GABF, like commercial competitions, Mm -hmm. I guess I shouldn't even say craft beer, but commercial competitions for, you know, to win and for marketing purposes rather than to get feedback. I know there is a part of that and some brewers do like the feedback of the different judges, but homebrew level, we've always sort of sold entering competitions as get feedback on your beer. But I think a lot of homebrewers also enter just for the hardware, but it definitely is more feedback oriented. Do you think, homebrewing would be better served going to a commercial judging aspect where you're not filling out the sheets necessarily you're not writing shit down you're ticking boxes like they sort of have in the first round of nationals
3: or well, are we, I, I, are I we sort of so. like
1: are we like making ourselves a little bit more self-important by by filling out full sentences with correct grammar
2: there was no first round of nationals homebrew scale wise this year. It was, you know, NHC was just all in one location. So it was pretty much the very similar model. It sounds exactly like what Brian's describing. But, but I but him answer to, to, that to question. JP
3: but to JP's point, I think there are two different audiences, if if you will, or two different groups of people. Uh there was like on day one, I was uh, you know, there was one one beer that was I I even forget what was quite wrong with it, but I was thinking it's probably a packaging issue. And one of the other judges who was a professional brewer is like, now when this this is a, when when you're entering GABF, the fact that you can package is taken as a given. You should be able to, as a professional, whether you're packaging from a tap room or a production brewery or whatever, it should be a thing that as a professional, you should know and understand how to do. And I think, Having said that, I think a lot of professionals, especially if you're not a packaging brewery, face the same challenges on packaging that we do as homebrewers. But it's a different, I, I, like a lot of things, I think when you're doing it for money, it's different from when you're doing it for fun. And when you're doing it as a hobby, there's a, we, we see it here on the show. I mean, we, we live in a time when there's so much more information, so many more resources available to people than there, there were 20 or 30 years ago. And part of that information and resources is homebrew clubs. But how many people come on the show and they're not in a the club? There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's that's right. great. I mean, b- b- do what you want. I mean, maybe you live too far away. Maybe you don't have time. Maybe you don't like people. Maybe you don't like the club. You know, it, <laughs> maybe maybe they meet in a day you can't go. I mean, there's a billion things that can happen. Mm. But the fact that there's so many people on this show that take the time to send their beer to us and talk to us about their beer and get feedback from us tells me there's still a lot of people in the homebrew world that need that feedback and they don't have a good mechanism to get it close to home. Right, right. And yeah. when you're a professional, you're doing it for money, you have the time and you have the resources and I mean, have the time. I mean, when you're a small business owner, there's never enough time and there's never enough resources, but you are always your are network with other people in that same situation. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like they told me, like, like talking about packaging the first day at GABF, there's a certain minimum level of competence that's assumed if you're a pro that maybe is not always warranted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's a True. certain minimum level of competence that you should have. And what you're what you're trying to get at that point. I mean, people when you're trying to meddle at GABF, I mean, some people it's like, you know, maybe you're getting a bonus. Maybe it's a maybe you're going to go out and try to get more investors. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's maybe that's something where you're going to get beer tourism where someone's going to read, you know, home brewers or beer lovers. You're going to look at that list and say, oh, this place stayed over. Uh, They won gold for their blank. And I love that style. Let's go drive on Saturday and go check it out. I feel like there's an economic aspect to that. that's not there for homebrewing.
1: Uh, that is true uh, but to counter to that. Cause there's always, there's always examples to prove the other side of any argument, but of course, you, you know, I know, uh, at least one brewer, I don't know if I really, he really wants it out there, but you mm. know, he would put that he won medals on his beer and like, nobody gave a shit. It was sort of sour beer and maybe it was because of the style, but it's like, I can't, I can't it doesn't mean anything to me. And, and I would sort of have conversations with brewers over the last few years that, that means less to them now. It means less to the consumer because it doesn't drive anything. What dri- what's driving craft beer right now is variety packs and the seasonal rotations on the handles. What's new and, and that, that, every that, that week. That may well be. And then your variety pack for your regional breweries. That's what's driving. That's what, that's what's, that's what consumers want.
3: They don't care and that, about that, anything That may else. well be. I mean, remember, like in the 90s, when that was part of people's marketing, like GABF gold Winner. That's what I mean. And that that was like a
1: big thing. It doesn't matter as much anymore. On the other hand, you know, there's we've we've talked to a few homebrewers who have gotten funding because of the awards that they've that they've won. But that's very rare. For the most yeah, part, but, you're right. It's just for ego boost and and you know, which isn't a bad thing. We all need that. No, um, or just you know, pride, personal pride. But yeah, craft beer like a, awards don't they don't have the impact yeah. they used to do anymore. I mean, you don't even really see it on on people's packaging anymore as much as you used to.
2: No, I think it means something. It, if if, it, a, if a small it means something.
1: Apart. Yes, it does. It does. It, yeah. does. it still means
2: if a something. Brewery can win three or four medals. GABF. They're they're up and coming. They're, they're they're doing good
3: stuff. That's right. Yeah, but.
1: But yeah, I, I, th- think, I don't think it think has fun- the same. Fundamentally,
3: as it did 10 I think years the ago. function, I think the function of the score sheets, and I think the function of the competitions are fundamentally different between professional and homebrew. Yeah. So,
2: so for yeah, sure. getting getting back to the function and and keying in on something you said earlier, and this is something that that bugged me about the way NH, NHC is run. You talked about the the beers coming out at the at a frantic pace. There were four, four, and four. You know, you had a twelve beer flight. You would get them four, four at a time and and three and pretty soon they're all out. And you're on the first, second, third beer, getting down, getting down the line. I got down to that 10th, 11th, sometimes 12th beer. And I felt like it was so warm and flat from sitting on the table that long before I could. And maybe it was my fault for not no unknowing and understanding the model as well, or never having judged GABF to not think, Oh, I got to get this through this really quick and just write a couple comments comments, then move on, move on, move on, move on. I, I felt like I was giving short shrift to those 10th, 11th, 12th beers because yeah. they were warm and flat. I couldn't get anything out of them anymore. They were gone. And I, I felt bad for the brewers. Cause I was like, this guy spent his time spent his 12 bucks or whatever to enter it. Maybe more now. I don't even know how much it was, but, I've, I wanted to, I did my very best to give it a proper like evaluation, even though mm-hmm. I give it the benefit of, okay, this is really warm, but it still has some really nice flavors and whatever. And the other ones, well, okay, this one's just gone and it, it, it wasn't great, but you know, I didn't did knock did anybody feel, for carbonation for that reason. Yeah. Did you feel the same way? Did you feel like the earlier beers were easier to judge than the later ones and that the, you might've passed over some beers that could have gone on if you
3: had been in a different order? I actually had a little bit of the opposite experience where I remember on one flight, I thought the first beer was really good. And uh, that was the first, someone else suggested to kick that first for diacetyl. I didn't get diacetyl. And I went back to it, you know, a half hour later, after I've been sitting on like, holy cow, Whoa. I can barely, and it wasn't just diacetyl. I could barely stand to smell it because huh. there were so many things wrong with it. Wow. Uh, so There is always that that first beer bias. Hmm. And I I judged with a a woman on one flight that talked about doing an experiment with people she was training for uh, for for judging a a while back where she poured three beers uh, to have people judge. And they were all identical, but she didn't tell people that. And inevitably, the first beer was viewed to be the best. So there is that first beer bias. And part of that comes from, a, it happens on this show. We talked about that earlier uh, or the previous show about changing scores after you come back to something, after it warms up, you know, it's all you can judge is what's in front of you. And if it changes while it's in front of you, it it changes. That's the nature of the beast. And sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it changes real bad, real fast. And that's a, uh, whoa. And right. you need to you need to be aware of, you know, I, I think one of the things I learned, one of the good things I learned at GABF from that was when you're judging 12 before you say you're ready to go and you're going to you're ready. You need to go back and smell and taste those first two, three, four beers again and just make sure that your score sheet is still accurate now that they've warmed up.
2: Yeah. And also it's like, it's if smart. you get to a beer at the end, that is pretty clear and, and good, you know, even though it is warm and flat, you you know, okay, well there, there wasn't, you know, anything really, any defect yeah. at that point would stand out
3: clearly. So yeah. it, it must be a pretty decent example. Yeah. You may have missed duration. some of the brightness, you know, there may be, some brightness or crispness you missed out on, but the advantage of letting it warm is that you're making sure when you come to it, you, if there's anything off, you know it. Yeah, I think I
2: I need more experience in that style of judging, and you know, probably if they do it the same exact well, way next year for NHC without a first round, I'll have to be ready for that. I I kind of hope they bring back the first round personally, but that's just me. Um, well, agreed you know, and agreed. I, number, I, I number, totally number agree with you, Brad. But um, yeah, on the homebrew scale, I like. I think people do want that feedback, and and they want a fuller score sheet at least for. Maybe, you know, from the first round, once you get to the second round, exactly. that's another story. You're, you're getting the best of the best and, and, and honing in on what's going to get going to medal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good, All right. Good very, discussion. Thank yeah, you, Brian. very well, I'm you went. And thanks for doing your duty out there. And, and, <laughs> for uh, sure.
3: No, thanks, man. I was, I, I was real happy to do it. I met some really cool people. Uh, I had a good time. Hmm. Uh, the I, birds did their duty, too, uh, I guess. Uh, there <laughs> were people that were sticking around for the second session. I did one session, and that was enough for me.
1: Yeah, that's what I feel about judging too. I can't. It's it's yeah. tiring. Uh, yeah. I want to say R.I.P. Coolio. By the way, Coolio. Yeah. Again, yeah. again, we got to do it. Yeah. Uh, brian Cooper, how can people get on this show? This lovely show of ours.
2: Well, you could just sit and wish and dream that you could be on the show talking to us and brew a really awesome beer and not send it anywhere, or you could email Brian at the dot com and I will get back to you in fairly short order and let you know how you could actually send it in to us so we could chit chat with you on this zoom machine there you and go. Uh, tell you mm-hmm. either your beer is great or it needs a little improvement and here's how you do that but um yep yeah we'd love to have it brian at the brewing and uh yeah send us a beer mead cider sake whatever you got yeah I
3: do. dream big dream being on dr homebrew whatever you got yeah all right everybody we're gonna get out of here thanks
1: a lot for tuning in i appreciate it until next time We'll see you
3: later. Cheers.